Yeah, you. Listen to the podcast in your car, bopping around with your headphones in. You are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. We're going to talk about some gnarly shit. Some gnar-gnar, guys. Some gnarly old-ass shit. Some gnarly and some old shit. It's gnarly old-ass shit. We decided to do geriatric crimes this week, so old people killing people. People that are old killing other people that aren't old, or old people killing old people, or retirement home old people killing their retirement home buddies old. I mean, our whole point was just the person doing the killing was old. Okay, my guy's old. <laughs> I covered that basis. We're good. You got this assignment right. I did, and the other shitty thing is, now looking at your notes, I had no idea geriatric was spelled J. Is that why you had or such G. a hard time finding a case? I really didn't have that hard time of finding a case. The case <laughs> found me, really. How would you spell geriatric with the fucking J? Well, that attempt I gave up after everything came up as Jerry, so, yeah. <laughs> gave, gave up that day and the next day was like ah oh, fuck i gotta do my notes open up uh yahoo mail and boom there's the article for this case that i decided to do and i'm glad that you didn't do it well we were talking yesterday i could tell by the way he was talking about his case which case it was and i literally like almost did it i was so close one of these days it will happen we will do the same case and that's going to be a funny, awkward, very short episode. Maybe it might be long. You never know. It could be, I guess. Yeah. Maybe you did a whole different side and I did a whole different side. You I never don't know. think that's going to happen. Probably not. I think anything that's on the first two-page search results of Google is what's going to be Yeah, but then you start the reading the story and then you're like, oh, fuck, I should research this or this or that. True. Well, it was my birthday week this week. I turned the big 2-5 on Friday. What, what? Yeah, we took work off Friday because we work four and a half hours from where we live and decided to go to the lake and drink some beers and float and I hula hooped. I just drank beers and floated. He watched me and Ani hula hoop. That I did. And, and drink beers. Big shout out to Anissa, by the way. She got me a very thoughtful gift that she put together herself. And she came up to the lake with me and spent my whole day with me. I love you, girl. You're the best. Anyways, let's start talking about geriatric bucks. And if we seem like we're not super, super enthused, we fucking sat here for you beautiful people, last night, and recorded this episode already. You want to go ahead and tell them what happened? My cell phone was too close to the microphone, and there's a lot of interference. Yay. So, yay, we worked an 11-hour day, and now we're going to record for an hour for you. But the margaritas will help. And I have pork ribs in the oven right now, too. So. 
Pork ribs. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I can't say it because they will sue me. Baby back ribs. No. I was talking about chilies, but there it is. I said it. All right. (laughs) So, background for geriatric crimes. The Merriam-Webster definition of geriatric was a, quote, aged person. And I was like, huh, that's not super descriptive. So... I wonder how old an aged person was, so I googled that. The answer is 65. Yep. So you are geriatric after you hit 65, which I thought was kind of young, actually. I thought it was going to be like 70. Um, my next move at this point was to Google geriatric murderers to try and get some fucking psych or at least background of an old person killer. And behold, the CBS.com news article, The Rise of the Geriatric Criminal. I'm going to go ahead and start off by giving full credit and citing Miss Amy Peachy. She wrote this article, um, and I didn't alter a whole, whole lot of it because it was fucking great. So, girl, you are a comedic genius, and... Ain't that peachy. Oh, my God. But um, don't... Continue, background (laughs) woman. All right, so this is all Amy's, pretty much. These days, crime isn't only a young person's game. With the aging of the population in developed countries, there's also been a rise in elderly criminals in countries including the U.S., England, and South Korea. The geriatric wrongdoers include members of a gang of thieves that recently stole more than $15.5 million in cash and gems from a London vault, with one suspect, a 74-year-old man, saying he couldn't hear a court clerk because he's hard of hearing reports bloomberg news so wow yeah he's like in his uh court trial and he's like huh what What? what'd you say well my guy the entire time he was in court he wore headphones because he couldn't hear the proceeding either oh that's actually really sad i don't like that i mean okay fuck him oh true (laughs) <laughs> I don't care that he doesn't have earrings. Fuck True. Him. I'm so but sure, tired. If you feel sorry for him, feel sorry for him. I, I don't. I feel sorry for my poor brain because I'm so fucking exhausted and I'm drinking margaritas and it's not making me any sharper. Well, quit bantering and get back to your notes and we'll get done with this. We're only six minutes in. You've complained more times. It's so fucking hot. I'm so fucking tired. The economy is ruined. And you can't stop itching yourself because you have poison oak. I'm fucking covered in poison oak. Oh, my God. And she's like a five-year-old child. I tell her to stop. She's like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then two seconds later, she's It's fucking it. itchy as shit. There's Fuck poison oak. calamine lotion everywhere. Or there's calamine lotion in the back. <laughs> <laughs> really? Then why am I itching? Okay, the growing number of older criminals appears to be at least partly a function of aging populations. In the U.S., the median age is now almost 38 for criminal wrongdoers, a decade older than in 1970. So, in 1970, it was 28 was the median age. The ranks of the elderly are projected to surge in the next few decades, with the number of people over age 65 slated to almost triple by 2050. So, there's a lot of fucking old peeps up in here, basically. 
Of course, most crimes are still committed by those under 30 years old, but the demographic shift towards an older population, especially as seniors increasingly deal with poverty, could mean even more grandpas and grandmas taking up a life of crime. Granny gone crazy. Granny gone mad. Let's see here. When they see in their peer group that someone has a you know, much more money than they do, they're eager to get that, says Bass Van Alphen, a psychology professor at the Free University of Brussels. Sometimes boredom and loneliness can play a factor. And prepare yourself because this is the saddest thing you will ever hear. He goes on to say, I had one patient who stole candies to handle the hours of loneliness every day, he added. I want to go call my grandma. That's so fucking sad. She's so bored, she just stole little candies. Bless her little grandma heart. Um, holy shit. Alright, here it is. <laughs> In South Korea, the rate of elderly crimes is growing faster than the senior population. The Korea, Korea Times reported this month. The number of crimes committed by seniors jumped 12.2% from 2011 to 2013 more than twice the growth of the elderly population in the Asian country. So it's not just the fact that there's more old people. Like, old people are just doing more shit. bad shit. Granny's gone wild. That is not what that means. I should stop saying that. Granny's gone wild. Girl's gone wild. I don't want that. That's not what I want. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's not only candy stealing that's on the senior criminal's mind, however. The number of violent crimes such as murder and robbery committed by Korean seniors jumped 40%, the publication noted, blaming the spree on poverty, sickness, and loneliness. About half of South Korean's elderly population is considered poor, which is pretty fucking depressing. In the U.S., data collected by the FBI suggests that elderly crime is also on the rise in our country. In 2000, about 58,500 arrests were made of Americans over the age 65. By 2013, that had increased 44% to 84,415 arrests of senior citizens. In the UK, the changing number of crime itself may be keeping some lawbreakers in the game. In the recent vault heist in England that I mentioned earlier, seven recently apprehended criminals ranged in age between 43 to 76 with a combined age of 432. I did the math already. 432 divided by 7 is fucking 61 years old. <laughs> the UK Daily Mail described the group as looking more like aging golf buddies than a sophisticated criminal gang. Can you imagine? <laughs> looking more like aged golf buddies? Jesus Christ. I thought that that was fucking nuts and Grandpa's fucking amazing. Grandpa's walking around and fucking New Balances and Doc Martin Or not Doc Martens. I was going to say, what's wrong with Doc Martens? No, the... Dockers, the fucking oh, shorts yeah. that are all creased <laughs> and their polos tucked in. And what's the fancy hat? The golfer's hat. Oh, I don't know. It's supposed to be. You know what we mean. You out there through the microphone. The people in the microphone? The people that live in the microphone. I guess we should probably buy a bigger microphone so you get more people in it. You probably should. Anyways. <laughs> um, with the U.S. prison system getting grayer. 
That's also adding to societal costs. I'm not even funny. I just can't anymore. My brain is so dead. Grayer. I'm sorry, guys. More gray? I, I don't think grayer is a word. It'd be more gray. It's a word now. The note okay. said gray. How do you turn something grayer, though? <laughs> if it's gray, it's gray, right? Should you say more dark gray or light gray? The gray is getting more. Okay. <laughs> it's getting more gray. Anyways. So, basically, old people, more of them in the U.S. prison system. That means more money from us because old people insurance is fucking expensive as shit because they get sick more because they're old. So. They should have it in different brackets. What? Old people in, like, tier three, middle-aged people tier two. That way it's cheaper. What do you mean that way it's cheaper? They do have you tiered probably. That's why it costs more when you hit a certain age. Ah. Uh, <laughs> it's like car insurance. Gotcha. Except, you know, for okay. your body. Yeah. Same kind of idea. <laughs> um, for state prisons, the consequence of, you know, the aging population in the prison is money. More of it every year. Health care for aging prisoners costs far more than it does for younger ones just as it does outside of prison walls. Corrections departments across the country report that health care for older prisoners costs between four and eight times what it does for younger prisoners. Damn. Yeah, they're fucking expansive. Expansive. Fix the prison food, too, because we're making everybody obese. Is that what's happening? Yes. Okay. They feed them like shit. Do they? Yes. So, time for Bree's case. Bree! 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 Bree's case! That's me. I did the case of Nanny Doss. Nanny Doss? I've already heard this. Case. I was gonna say, have you heard of her? Have you heard of her? I know you have because I you fucking heard, heard the same thing last night. You're gonna hear it again! Nanny Doss, otherwise known as the Giggling Granny Killer, the Lonely Hearts Killer, the Black Widow, and Lady Bluebeard. Why'd she- they call her the Giggling? Did she giggle? When she killed people? When she was talking about it after everything in court. Ouch. Brutal. Yeah. She would like giggle while she was talking about all the shit that she did. Granny's gone crazy. How fucking terrifying is that? The giggling granny killer. I don't know why they called her Lady Bluebeard though. Did she have a blue beard? No. Okay. I don't even know what that means. She was also called the self-made widow, which is fitting. You will see. Um, To find this case, I literally resorted to Googling when killer grandmas attack, and I was not disappointed. She is a grandma, she is a killer, and she fucking attacked. (laughs) Fucking attacked. (laughs) Fucking attacked. So she's not technically geriatric. She committed her last murder and was, like, caught for it at age, I think it was 50. But I felt like this was close enough, and the story is so bonkers that I just I just had to do it. It's so crazy, so. Bonkers. Bonkers. Cuckoo banana crazy. Miss Nanny was born Nancy Hazel on November 4th, 1905 to Lou Holder and James Hazel in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Nanny had one brother and three sisters, so safe to say PMS week in that household was not awesome. Tons of ladies up in that bitch. James would force his children to work on the family farm instead of 
you know, them attending school and learning things. That resulted in Nanny's poor academic performance. She left school for good in the sixth grade. James ruled his household with an iron fist, and he was a known abuser. When Nanny was seven years old, she was on a train that suddenly stopped, slammed on the brakes, and it caused her to fall forward and hit her head. After the incident, she suffered for years with migraine headaches, blackouts, and depression. And she blamed these and her mental instability on that accident. So she was basically like, I'm crazy because I hit my head when I was seven. <laughs> but isn't there like a relation? Wait. There's a relationship to head trauma and crazy, right? Yes. Or not really crazy, but... Not crazy serial killers. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of serial killers had traumatic brain injuries when they were younger. Um, like John Wayne Gacy, for instance, he was beaten unconscious with his father, who was holding a broomstick, and he was also knocked out by a metal swing, I believe, which that resulted in blackouts for him. Um, and then Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, he sustained a significant head injury when he was little like two because a dresser fell on top of him and he was also knocked the fuck out by a swing when uh, he was a child which the swing get out of the way of the fucking swing it's the swing it, it's not the head trauma it's the swing it's the swing it's just it's getting hit in the head with the swing that's the determining factor right nanny there. didn't get hit in the head with a swing she got hit in she the head with a train have. she must have she must have <laughs> But, yes, so there's some sort of correlation that people like to say. But also, there's a lot of fucking people out there with traumatic head injuries that don't go and kill people. But that happened when she was seven. Um, from early years, James Hazel refused to allow his daughters to do anything to enhance their appearance. Pretty dresses and makeup were not allowed, nor were friendships with boys. It was not until Nanny got her first job in 1921 at age 16 that she had any real social interaction with opposite sex. So she literally had never even like really talked to a boy before. She stopped going to school when she was in sixth grade. Jeez. That, I mean, that's going to make you weird. Nanny was first married at age 16, pretty much right after she started that job, to Charlie Braggs. He was her co-worker at the linen factory where she was working. And with her father's approval, they married after four months of dating. What can go wrong? Braggs was the only son of a single mother who insisted on continuing to live with him after he was married. Okay. Can you imagine if my mom lived with us after we got married? I mean, your dad did. My dad's not my mom. You're, yeah, true. <laughs> and my dad pays this rent. That's true. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to say anything else so I don't get myself in trouble. It's, well, who listens to it? Neither of them listen to it. True. I could literally say whatever the fuck I wanted about either of them and neither of them. But we're not know. going to because we're better people than that. Are we? I don't know, but you have poison oak on your eye. Oh my god, it hurts. Everything's itchy. I hate it. I'm just going to rub it all over you. Uh, so we both can be miserable. Yeah. Okay, you're smart. <laughs> and obviously if I had don't have it now, don't I make fun it. of me. And you do get it because I've seen you get it. 
I thought I didn't get it either, and look at me. I'm a puffy, oozy, sticky, gross mess. Because you keep scratching it and spreading it's it everywhere. It's not my fault. It's itchy. You're a grown-up. Read your notes. <laughs> okay. Where was I? I um. Yes. So. <laughs> Charlie and Nanny ended up having four children between the two of them throughout their marriage. Nanny's life quickly dissolved into popping out babies, raising them, taking care of her bitch of a mother-in-law, who, remember, is still living with them, and dealing with Charlie's drunk rampages. So, life is good. Charlie and Nanny were both having extramarital affairs at this point, and the marriage was doomed, so they were both stepping out on each other. In 1927, soon after the birth of their fourth child, the couple's two middle children died by what doctors labeled as food poisoning. The husband, Charlie, thought that Nanny had poisoned the children, so he took off with their eldest child, and her name was Melvina. But oddly enough, because remember it was the two middle children that had died, Charlie left the baby, her name's Florine, with nanny so he just dipped out and left the little baby behind and his mother behind in the house with her even though he thought she poisoned their other daughters so pretty much he took what was useful to him i mean how are those kids useful to him though yeah good point i don't know yeah i i just i couldn't find any viable explanation as to why he did it that way but that's what happened hmm. Um, Not long after Charlie had fled the house with his daughter in tow, Melvina, his mother passed away while in Nanny's care. She stayed in their home with the youngest daughter, Florine, for a year after uh, Charlie's mother passed away. And then Charlie did return with Melvina and his new girlfriend in tow this time. So this was finally enough for the couple to separate and divorce for good. Alone again, Nanny met her next husband through correspondence from a Lonely Heart section of a romance magazine. Do you know what a Lonely Heart section is? Yes. Yes, I do. So it's like a I'm lonely and want some good bone-in section? Mm Mm-hmm. It was in the newspaper, or not the newspaper, the phone book. This one was in a magazine, I guess. Oh, they had them in phone books, too. That's weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you go to a payphone, you can flip the pages and be like, ah, there she is. Boom. Call. Oh, yeah. That's not a thing anymore. Fuck not. not. The man that she met through this Lonely heart section of that romance magazine was 23-year-old Robert Harrelson. Nanny was 24 at this point and have ar- has already popped out four babies, but is down to two because she lost the other two. So she married Robert and they lived together with nanny's two surviving children so uh, melvina the oldest and then florine which was the little baby the youngest harrelson turned out to be a drunk and he was wildly in debt his favorite pastime was to get into bar fights so that's great but somehow the marriage lasted until harrelson's death which was 16 years later um now it's 1943 at this point and nanny's daughter melvina the eldest gave birth to nanny's first ever grandchild the baby was a son 
and they named the son Robert. Melvina then had a daughter who was born healthy, though she died shortly after birth under unexplained circumstances. She just literally, like, died out of the blue. And this is one of the crazier parts of the story that I never really understood. So Melvina had a really hard birth with her second daughter, or daughter, right? Yeah, second kid, first daughter. And she was like in and out of consciousness for a while after the birth. And she said she remembered coming to consciousness, looking over, seeing her mother stick a hat pin into the head of the baby girl. And then she passed out right after. And then the kid died, and those claims were, like, never substantiated. I I mean, that would make sense why the baby just died if you stuck a fucking pin in its head. Yeah. But I thought that was nuts. And the balls on that lady to, like, do it in front of her daughter, even if she thought she was passed out, I just thought that was fucking nuts. No fucks given. No fucks fucking given. And this is just the beginning. Just, you know how far she gets, but the listeners out there don't know. Just wait, people. On July 7th, 1945, Doss was taking care of Melvina's son, Robert, after her and her daughter had a fight over um, Nanny's disapproval of Melina's, or Melvina's new boyfriend. So, most moms and daughters have fights over who the daughter is dating, But most people don't go ahead and kill the grandchild because they're mad about it. (laughs) That night, while in Nanny's care, Robert, the first grandchild, so Melvina's first child, died of what doctors said was asphyxia from unknown causes. Within a few months, Nanny collected a $500 insurance policy that she had taken out on the boy. And I wonder how much $500 was in 1945, like 2.74 mil or what? Uh, yeah, it's one of those crazy numbers. It was a lot more than $500 now. $3.24 million. Yeah. On September 14th, 1945, Nanny's current husband, Frank Harrelson, keels over dead as well. Nanny would later tell the story of Frank coming home one night completely, like, obliterated drunk. And she claimed that he raped her. And so she acted on revenge the following day. And she said that she poured rat poison, like, directly into Frank's corn whiskey jar. And then waited for him to come home that night after work, drink his whiskey, and watched him, like, die on the floor from drinking rat poison. Brutal. Mm-hmm. That shit, it, that's brutal. Brutal as fuck. Annie was back to her old tricks after she fucking killed Frank. She found Arlie Lanning in a Lonely Hearts section of a romance magazine as well. So, kind of see why they called her the Lonely Hearts Killer. They met, and two days later, they were wed. Nice. I was afraid to say yes to you after knowing you a year. I can't imagine meeting somebody in two days later being like, oh yeah, totally. It's the thing. Vegas, baby. That's nuts. Elvis. They weren't in Vegas. They literally just met and they were like, let's go down to the courthouse. I love you. You're so literal sometimes. I know. Anyways, continue. (laughs) Don't rush me. I'm I'm rushing you because we're 27 minutes into this bitch. So? I got pork in the oven, woman. Oh, yeah. We're eating ribs as soon as we're done with this. 
Yeah, feel jealous, people. We're pretty good cooks, so you should fucking feel jealous. I'm okay. a pretty good cook. I'm a better cook. Yeah, she <laughs> so. Okay, so Nanny was back to her old tricks, found Arlie in the Lonely Hearts section. They met and married two days later, and this chick had some kind of like, you know how gaydar is supposed to be like radar, but you can sense when someone's gay? She has like ADAR because she can find alcoholics anywhere in her vicinity. Get it? ADAR. Yeah. You're funny. You're funny. You're funny. This dude was an alcoholic too. Like really bad. (laughs) And that is not funny. But he was not violent. So he wasn't like her past husbands that not only were alcoholics, but also beat the shit out of her. He was just an alcoholic. She kind of wore the pants in this relationship. She would leave for like weeks, sometimes months at a time, and then just show back up and be like, hey, I'm here now. Take me back. Um, Arlie eventually fell ill and died two and a half years into their marriage. His death was thought to be the result of a heart attack brought on by the flu that was going around. This guy was like 24, maybe 25. He did have symptoms, like uh, fever, vomiting, and stomach pains. But the doctors also knew that he was a known alcoholic, so they just basically slapped this whole flu cause of death on him without like even performing an autopsy. And they're like, it's good, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Name that reference. Um, Arlie had left his home to his sister in his will. And mysteriously, the house burned all the way down to the foundation before the sister could so much as, you know, legally take ownership of the home. This nanny bitch is fucking not so crazy. She was like, if I'm not getting the house and it wasn't left to me, I'ma just burn it down to the ground so you don't get it. She, she being nanny, moved in with her mother-in-law temporarily. So the mother of the dude that she just killed, and she moved in with her mother-in-law until the insurance check hit for her husband's death, and then she took off. She made plans to move in with her sister, and her sister's name was Dovey, and she was dying of cancer. So she was like, I'll, you know, move in with you. I'll take care of you. Blah, 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 blah. The day after Nanny moved out of her mother-in-law's place and into her sister's house, her mother-in-law died in her sleep. So strange coinkening. People just kind of keep dying around this lady. Weird. (laughs) Weird. No comment. Not surprisingly, Dovey soon perished as well while under Nanny Doss's care. Shortly after, the mother-in-law kicked it. The next time around, finding a man, Nanny decided to join a singles club called the Diamond Circle Club and met her fourth husband there named Richard Morton. Now, I read that and I was like, singles club. I have no idea what that is. But it's basically just like a nightclub supposed to be for people who are single. Yep. Got it. It's like a gentleman's club, but single people. I was going to say, the only thing I had ever heard of was, like, a swingers club or a gentleman's club, but basically same thing, just for singles people. So she met Richard there. The two would marry in October 1952, 
and they made their home together in Kansas, which is where Richard was from. Unlike all the husbands before him, he was not an alcoholic. He was a fucking dirtbag cheater, though. So, you gotta have one, am I right? Nanny's father passed away um, after she was married to Richard. And, you know, after her father passed away, her mother decided to come out and see Nanny so they could have some mother-daughter bonding time because I'm sure it was a very hard time for her mother. And within a few days of her mother being on her property, Nanny's mother died after complaining of severe stomach cramps. And that's at uh, Nanny's house in Kansas where her mother dies, right? Yes. So, okay. Yeah. So Got it. She so came her out- mother died because Nanny poisoned her like everybody else. Right. Got it. So she came all the way out to see her fucking cunt of a daughter because her husband just died. And then she gets poisoned and kills over and dies like three days after she got to their property. So this lady has some nuts. She has some big ass fucking wide nuts. Big ass wide nuts. Wow. New hashtag big ass wide nuts. Three months after that, Richard Morton died after Nanny had discovered that he was seeing his ex-girlfriend behind her back. See, cheating dirtbag, but still, didn't deserve to die. And besides, there was another man in Kansas that Nanny had her sights on named Samuel Doss. So she was basically like, this dude's cheating on me with his ex-girlfriend. I don't even fucking like him that much either. I see fine-ass Samuel Doss over there. I'm just going to get rid of this guy and make my way over to Mr. Doss. After Morton's death, Nanny moved to Oklahoma and very soon did indeed become Mrs. Doss. Sam Doss was a Nazarene minister who was dealing with the death of his wife and nine children who were killed by a tornado that had engulfed Madison County, Arkansas. Nine fucking kids? Can you imagine? It's an army. Nine kids and a wife all die all at once. Sayonara, see ya, goodbye. I didn't even want to go to that dark place, but yeah. I would literally just blow my head off. There's no way. It's a minister. Yes. So he wouldn't do that? Suicide is a cardinal sin. Jesus, you need to not (laughs) drink tequila. Or I need to drink lots of tequila. So, whole family died. Super sad. She meets this dude. Becomes his wife. Even though he was not an alcoholic in any way, Sam did have a flaw that, you know, Nanny would call a flaw, and it would be his demise. He was painfully boring and frugal, like painfully frugal. I mean, he's a minister. They can't make that much money. And he expected Nanny to be the same. He kept a super strict handle on the funds and refused to put his new wife on their checking account. He gave her very little money. And I did read that, like, she was super into those romance magazines. That's why she kept meeting people in the Lonely Hearts section. And he, like, forbade her to read that shit because, you know, fucking Christianity and whatever. And... (laughs) Like, made her ride her bike to work. He was just, he was, like, like frugal to the extreme and, um, what's the word, conservative, like, to the extreme. But the whole bank account thing was, like, last straw for Nanny. 
she took her happy ass uh, back to fucking, where was she from? Alabama. 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 Um, so, after she went back to Alabama, he freaked out and convinced her to come back and said, you know, I'll, I'll put you on the checking account, blah, 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 whatever. So, you know, Nanny came back and he did put her on the bank account. Everything seemed to be fine. She then, almost immediately after, convinced him to take out two insurance policies where Nanny herself was the sole benefactor. You know, just in case. Yep, just in case he gets a stomachache and then dies of the flu. Just in case he gets fucking murdered by his new bride. Before the ink even dried on that insurance policy, Sam was in the hospital complaining of, you guessed it, intense stomach cramping and pain. He managed to survive two weeks, at which point he was well enough to come home. So he was discharged from the hospital. That evening, Nanny, being the good doting wife that she was, cooked him a nice meal, and, and by the morning, Sam was fucking dead! Murdered! Sam's sudden turn for the worst and death took his doctors by surprise. I mean, when he was discharged, he wasn't just on the mend. He was pretty much good, and then the next day, he's just fucking dead. They're like, um, something's wrong here. So they ordered an autopsy. Autopsy was done. And when they pulled his organs from his body during the autopsy, they noticed that they were full of arsenic, which is a little weird. Everybody was pointing the finger at Nanny, obviously, because she was the only person even around him after he was discharged. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Police then brought Nanny in for questioning, where she confessed to killing four of her husbands, her own mother, her sister Dovey, her grandson Robert, and Arlie Lanning's mother. So, there are more people in there that she killed. That's who she confessed to killing, though. Despite being a horrific murderer... Nanny seemed to enjoy the limelight of her arrest, and here's the giggling granny killer part that comes in. She often joked about her dead husbands and the method she used to kill them, such as the sweet potato pie she laced with arsenic. So, like, when she was on the stand, she would, like, make jokes and laugh. And gotcha. Yeah. So that's, I didn't catch that. That's where her, uh, one of her names came in at. In 1963, after spending eight years in prison, she died of leukemia in Oklahoma State Penitentiary because, you know, karma's a bitch. And prosecutors never pursued charging Doss for any additional murders. Most believe, however, that Nanny Doss might have killed up to 11 people. And keep in mind, all of these people were in her family. Her in-laws, her kids, her parents, one of them. And that is Nanny Dawes. Nanny Dawes. Nanny Dawes. All right. Now I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you guys over to Wade. Oh, why thank you, dear. So my case was pretty well covered this year, actually. And it's about uh, Albert Flick. So... He actually had killed back in January of 1979, and he killed his wife, Sandra Flick. So, Albert had served about 25 years for that killing, and I'll cover this case before I get into the most recent one. So, Albert's wife wanted a divorce. 
she contacted the police, got divorce paperwork, all figured out, all that crap. And one day when uh, Albert came home, the police were there, and Sandra gave him the divorce papers and said, you need to sign these and get off my property, and the police escorted him off the property. So Sandra was obviously scared that he was going to do something crazy. So three weeks later, evidently she wasn't scared then. She called him up. Hey, don't. I know, but at the... I know, sorry. She... Think of it this way. Maybe things had settled. He seemed like he was taking the news okay that something happened. She thought, I don't need to call the cops just for him to come get his shit. Divorce papers are already served. It'll be fine. Don't... Don't make it seem like it was her fault in any way. Sorry, proceed. Go ahead. Very true. But she called him three weeks later on January 31st, 1979. She asked him to come pick up his belongings. Sandra's 12-year-old daughter, uh, Elise, was actually at the apartment when Albert showed up. Mm. And she... It says she hid in the back room, but I think she was just in the back room when all it went down. And her daughter actually watched Albert assault her mother. And the thing was, was... Wait, are we talking sexual assault or just physical? Just like, physical assault. Like violent like, assault. Yeah, like bent her arm behind her back and like pushed her into the kitchen and Aww. was telling her, don't let, no, don't make me hurt you, I love you, stuff like that. Then when uh, Sandra, when Elise's mom screamed, that's when she ran out of the apartment. And she ran out of the apartment to go get a neighbor to call the police. That and is very brave. She ran downstairs... The neighbor called the police, and right after the neighbor called the police, he ran upstairs to check on Sandra, passing by Albert as he ran back downstairs to leave the apartment building, and he was completely covered in blood. So the neighbor was actually the one that found Sandra in the apartment building, and she was stabbed a total of 14 times. That is some anger behind that shit. But she lived long enough to tell the neighbor that her husband had did it so police found the murder weapon in the living room and it was albert's three and a half inch jackknife i don't know how they determined it was his but obviously it was the murder weapon and you know that's just sloppy yeah but i believe it was like he had a sheath with no knife and it fit type deal you know what i mean to what where his hand his fingerprints were well, yeah but it them to de deem it as like his personal like daily knife type oh. deal you know thing that he would always have on him type thing but albert was 36 when he was convicted of his wife's murder in 79 1979 he was uh sentenced to 30 years in prison at his sentencing his family actually testified and said that he was a good man he just uh he grew up in a like bad environment of an environment of violence and he evidently served his time was you know he was in good or had good behavior so he was released nine years early after fucking killing somebody in front yeah in front of their daughter Child. yeah after serving good. time well that daughter wasn't his it was from a previous relationship send one of Sandra's previous relationship. Oh, so it was true. like his okay. stepdaughter. Gotcha. After Still. Yeah. After serving time killing his wife, Albert was released in 2007. 
or sorry, he was arrested in 2007 after punching his girlfriend and stabbing her with a fork. With a fork. Yes. That's assault? And he punched her. Oh, yeah, that's assault. That's assault. And then he could have gotten easily assault with a deadly weapon because of a the fork. A fork? Yeah. A fork is a deadly weapon. You could stab somebody in the fucking throat and kill them with Isn't a fork. Isn't anything a deadly weapon? With Aren't intent. these bad boys a deadly weapon? You're not a I'm holding my hands up in You're front of the microphone. What? You're not a boxer. I could do some damage. So he went to jail for assaulting her, and uh, he got out. When he got out, I believe he got out in like 2010, I think is what happened. He actually assaulted another girl and like he he beat her over the head with the butt of his knife. Fuck. And then chased her and she got away. Like she escaped and as she was escaping he chased her screaming at her and all this stuff. So he went to prison for that one. He got out and that same girl that he hit over the head with the butt uh, the butt of the knife, he actually ran into her and told her that she's going to get what she deserves. So he went back to prison for that. Just for threatening her? Yeah, he broke okay. probation and he had already assaulted this chick and now is telling her that she's going to get what she Thank wants. Thank God. I'm glad he went back to prison yeah. for that. So after all that, the judge, which was Robert Crowley, released him. Fuck you, Robert Crowley. Released him on a year's probation. Cause, or this was technically when he was getting sentenced for that intimidation or whatever you want to say threat threat yeah he gave him three years in prison and one year on probation prosecutors hated that and wanted them to max out his sentence but judge crowley said albert would be too old to pose a threat by the time he is released meaning that after three years in prison he would be way too old to commit these violent crimes against women again and pause I know that that, like, I didn't know that was a viable reason to release someone is literally, like, old as fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If old men... That's not necessarily a law, though. The judge just deemed that a thing. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I didn't realize that a judge could cite that as a reason. yeah, I got you. That's nuts. And, well, you're about to see why that was a bad call. Yep, so, in 2014... Oh my God! Those after his so release. Uh, after why he are was... you talking over me? <laughs> those ribs smell really fucking good. Proceed. Are you done? <laughs> you want me to finish my fucking story? Uh, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Anyways, after his release in 2014, he moved to uh, Lewiston, Maine, and that's where he lived with his nephew. You're so mad right now. I'm not mad. <laughs> I am not mad. Don't get mad. Get glad. Anyways, that's when he met 48-year-old Kimberly Dobby at a local library. Dobby, Dobby is a good elf. She is. <laughs> anyway, God damn you. God damn you. Uh, Kim, and her, uh, Kim had twin boys. They lived at a homeless shelter, but actually a week before her murder, she got uh, like eligible or got placed in an apartment, so they're actually going to be moving to that apartment, which was just on the outskirts of Lewiston, Maine. So just a town over, like kind of like a Fresno Clovis type deal. If you guys are from Fresno or Clovis, or two towns literally right next to each other, where people interchange them for the other. Yeah. So after uh, 
Albert and Kim had met at the library, or technically after Albert kind of stalked Kim and went running up to Kim to yeah. annoy her, is when the twin boys actually regularly saw uh, Albert following them or Kim around town, like at bus stops or like the library, for example, stuff like that. But he would just like hide in the shadows and watch, right? Yes, yeah, and I don't think it was, I mean, I don't really think it was necessarily, like, he hid, because I believe he was pretty much just walking down the street and blatantly staring directly oh. at them, kind of, like, creepy-ish, is what I was picking up from all the research I did. And I'll post pictures of this dude, I'll try and remember to on social media, but just, this guy is creepy and scary looking as fuck, you wouldn't want him following you. No. So, uh, two days before Kim was murdered, Albert actually went to Walmart, and the only purchase he made, or only purchases he made, was for two pink-handled kitchen knives mm. for $2 each. Mm. The morning of July 15th, 2018, Albert followed Kim and her boys from Dunkin' Donuts to a laundromat. Kim literally walked in, threw a load of laundry in one of the washers, then she went outside with the boys. She was going to make a phone call, and the boys were just playing on the sidewalk. That's when Albert came up to Kim and stabbed her 11 times. Dennis Fisher was one of the you know uh, eyewitnesses. He happened to be in the laundromat, heard Kim scream because he quoted that it was the most terrifying scream he ever heard. And he ran outside, drop-kicked Albert, holding the seven and held the seven-seven-year-old man on the ground while police, you know, waited for police to arrive. Pretty much. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Drop-kicked that old piece of shit. Yep. So after the jury was pretty much told of everything that is in Albert's past, it only took them forty minutes to deliberate and give a you know conviction of you know you're going to fucking prison for the rest of your fucking life i don't care if you can't hear i don't give a shit if you can't see you're spending the remaining of your life in jail and i try to figure out what jail he's in i still can't figure that out so if i do figure it out here today or tonight i'll make sure that brie puts that on facebook for us so this was a quote from sandra's daughter elise clement 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 yeah uh she said or she quoted I firmly believe this could have been prevented. There is no reason this man should have been on the streets. Thank you. Thank you. He should have just went to fucking prison for the rest of his life after he stabbed his wife and her mother the 14 first times. time. I'm done. I'm hungry. Good night. Fuck the social media. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please write us because we're bored and we like. So not fuck the social media. I'm still going to go over the social media. That's why. <sighs> First and foremost, we really, really, really would appreciate some reviews. Um, you can review on iTunes. That would be super great. You can, I think you can rate on Spotify as well. You can at very least do the follow or subscribe button. Or if you guys want to give us some reviews or recommendations on Facebook, there's a spot to do that there as well. Sherry Matthews. Back in May, you recommended us on Facebook. You gave us five out of five stars. I've been meaning to bring you up by name, um, and I just keep forgetting, but I finally put you into my notes. So thank you, Sherry Matthews. You're awesome. We really, really appreciate the review. And if you want to be shouted out, 
go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Sherry. You're the best. You are the best. You're the first. You're the first. We're always going to remember you, Sherry. A1 since day one. Oh, props. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait. Gmail. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Bye.